and start your engines. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The only thing we have to fear is fear itself. I'm not a crook. If you like your health care plan, you'll be able to keep your health care plan. Source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now your host, the editor-in-chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our guest segment. Our special guest tonight is Derek Gilbert, who you probably know from Skywatch TV. He's been with us many times. Uh, some of his books, Giants, Gods and Dragons, Veneration, Last Clash of the Titans uh, and on and on the great inception. He's been here for many of those books uh, to interview. He also has a, a really strong presence on social media, as well as his various appearances over at Skywatch TV. Uh, Derek Gilbert, good to have you back with us, sir. Jim, it's always a joy. Thanks for having me on. Well, I wanted to start uh, by asking you about uh, what's happening just in general, uh, you know, in, in the world, not even so much here in the U.S. I know that uh, you have recently talked a lot about the Great Reset, and I'm hearing a lot more from my followers on social media about the Cloward and, and Piven idea of sort of a deliberate um you know, crashing of the U.S. economy. And I, I honestly, I don't know how we get out of this. We're, we're, some people haven't paid a mortgage payment in a year. Some people haven't paid rent in a year. Um, we've got mass exodus from the major cities. Uh, but it's, it's almost like I like to use the phrase whistling past the graveyard. A lot of people just got stimulus checks and they're buying new computers and TVs on Amazon. And, you know, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm worried that like a major collapse is coming. Um, is this part of the great reset that, that uh, we see happening? I, I think so. Uh, that was part of our book, Giants, Gods and Dragons. And Sharon and I have been uh, doing a lot of reading and researching about this recently. Uh, Tom Horn has also uh, been discussing it on Skywatch TV. This will be part of, of his forthcoming book, The Messenger, to which we both contributed. And whether it's deliberate or not on the part of the uh, human actors here as Christians, we, we need to remember that uh, it's not them that we wrestle against. As Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, it's the principalities and powers and cosmic rulers over this present darkness who are really pushing the human actors, whether they're uh, knowing collaborators or just useful idiots into this, uh, you know, in, in this direction. But uh, as we wrote in Giants, Gods, and Dragons, we've kind of been manipulated and maneuvered into an unsustainable economic situation anyway. We've been pushed into uh, debt sl slavery. I'm sure this is something that uh, you talk about quite often. Um, we look at uh, credit card debt, student loan, the student loan bubble that is. Uh, uh, is is really ballooned here in the last few years, where uh, young people are convinced that the the low low monthly payment and the low interest rate because they're pushing the loans out uh, uh, decades is uh, is a really good deal because you you've got to have a college education you got to have that college degree and so borrow as much money as you need and so the average college student is coming out now with thirty five grand in debt you can't discharge it in uh, bankruptcy except in very rare circumstances. Uh, Auto loans are being pushed out now. It used to be a five-year loan with standard than six and seven, and now you're seeing some 10-year loans. So this this is all part of a, a plan to push us into a, a, a servitude, and that's why it's not a coincidence in our view that the rider on the black horse, the third rider of the apocalypse, the third horseman of the apocalypse, carries with him a, uh, a zugos. It's usually translated into English as scales, representing, you know, commerce but uh, in greek it actually means a yoke hmm. which you would put over the neck of an ox to get them to tread out the grain or pull a plow uh that's really what's being described we think in in revelation 6 with that third rider debt servitude but um you, you you've seen in in the last, last couple of years how the uh, federal deficit of the uh, united states government has just exploded 
And uh, this, you know, is not just strictly the Democrats here. The Republicans are part and parcel of this as well. It is not sustainable. Yeah, we're, we're looking at the with, with a new with a new stimulus added. I think it's like we're really right at like 30 trillion. And then if you look at like what the real debt is, which some people, you know, when I talk about this, I get emails telling me, no, go look at the debt clock. No, if you look at what economists uh, say is the real debt and you've got to do a little research to find this number because it's not it's not commonly out there or reported. But if you include all of the uh, so-called unfunded future obligations that the government has. Right. I've seen that number as high as two hundred trillion dollars from mm-hmm. from very reputable uh, economists, and that, of course, you know, uh, is is sort of back in the good old days where we were running, you know, fairly modest uh, deficits. I mean, I remember like it was yesterday when uh, people were very upset about uh, a ten trillion dollar uh, national debt. The, the you know the the top number and now we're at at thirty on that sort of very visible number, and uh, we've got this new idea where they're going to give every uh, child is going to get three hundred a month uh, going forward, and they said that it's going to be uh, starting in July and it'll be for a year, but then they are saying the Democrats are saying this is really not ever going to end. Uh, so we've got everything from people being paid more money to stay home instead of going to work to now sort of the introduction of officially of this universal basic income that will be going to many families. So if you have five children, that's $1,500 a month. And you know, Derek, that people are going to start living on that and counting on that money. And then no one's going to want to take it away. Because that will be cruel to take away money that people are already living on and depending on. Uh, it's and, and we've got people who haven't paid a mortgage in a year, who haven't paid rent in a year. And nobody's really answering the question of what about the landlord who hasn't gotten rent in a year? Who's there to bail him out? What about these mortgages that mm-hmm. haven't been paid in a year? Are these people going to be foreclosed or they get to just stay stay in? And it's everything from a free house to free college to universal basic income. Um, in, unless uh, you just totally get rid of the math, I guess you can still live in the land of unicorns and rainbows. But if you if you keep math in place, <laughs> the law of math says you can't do this, right? <laughs> well, Jim, you know as well as I do that math is racist. So yeah. <laughs> we just got to throw that out. Because, <laughs> but no, you're you're right. And what what we see here is an absolute reversal. A, a twisting, a perversion of what God had decreed in the Old Testament. God had decreed for the Hebrews that they were to cancel all debts every seven years. And this was so that we would not find ourselves in this situation where people were dependent on lenders to keep them going. We have this illusion of, of wealth here in the United States that really is just uh, fueled by debt due to artificially low interest rates cranked out by the Fed. Now, I want people to understand as I'm talking about this, I just have a lowly bachelor's degree in economics, so I'm not pretending I've got my head <laughs> around the, the convoluted uh, you know, financial products that are being traded on, on a global scale, but uh, this, this is an eye-popping number because I, I think that uh, what we're seeing here is, is too coincidental to be coincidence. I, I am not a coincidence theorist. I think at the level we're talking, you know, the kind of economic activity we're talking about on a global scale, things don't happen by accident. There are forces behind the scenes that are pushing things to to happen in this way. We're, we're going to see a collapse on a much bigger scale than what we saw in 2008 and 2009 at some point, sooner probably rather than later. When you're looking at the, uh, the global market for financial derivatives, which are these really complicated financial products based on uh, packaged and, and remarketed mortgage loans, or, or in one really morbid example, the German uh, bank, Deutsche Bank, was sold like $750 million worth of uh, shares and funds that were based on American life insurance policies. And German investors got really upset because they weren't paying off because we Americans weren't dying quickly enough. <laughs> but those are the kind of things that are being traded around the world. And the most recent estimate I found for this market is $558 trillion. Wow. The global market for financial derivatives is $558 trillion, where the entire world's gross domestic product 
The entire world's gross domestic product is $86 trillion. So seven times the world's gross domestic product is, is this, this kind of Wall Street casino where these financial derivatives are being traded back and forth. And we saw what happened when the mortgage bubble cra- crashed back in 2008, 2009. Um, I think this is going to happen, and I think it's intended to be deliberate. And I think it's a deliberate perversion of the idea that uh, of the concept that God gave to Moses. Look, every seven years, all debts are canceled. Yeah, you had to give up and you get to a point. You get it back. You get to a point where it almost becomes like funny money. And when you look at how vulnerable a lot of these uh, funds are, it's almost like you know legalized gambling. When you see this group of guys uh, on on uh, Reddit, they they set up a discussion page on Reddit. They pick this GameStop stock to all buy, and somebody is short that stock. And I'm reading that this group of of people that got together online, that they almost brought down some of the largest firms on Wall Street because it's all a giant house of cards. They said that the one largest short seller was actually financed by two or three of the other largest brokerage firms who were also connected to several of the other banks. And the way this was looking like if this short uh, sale uh, strategy went through where these GameStop people did win and then they're still at it and they almost uh, did the, they almost did push these companies out of business. They were talking about losses of of hundreds of billions of dollars that would ripple all the way through Wall Street. And this is just a bunch of, I guess, uh, people that play video games and got bored and decided to start buying stocks and they were almost able to take down Wall Street. And doing it with their stimulus checks, which is really ironic. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, unbelievable. But what what ultimately what ultimately will happen here, and, and this is where I think that we we see the uh, the nature of the spirit behind all of this, is that whereas God intended the shemitah, this seven year cycle of debt cancellation, and then the fifty year jubilee uh, to prevent the people of Israel, His people, from becoming debt slaves to money lenders, what will happen when we see this great reset? that's being promoted by the World Economic Forum uh, is that all of us will will ultimately become uh, in permanently uh, serfs on the plantation and, you know, forgive the use of that word, but uh, serfs working on the, the manner, maybe a better word, of our uh, of the new nobility. This is all about enshrining the 0.1% at the top of that pyramid and pushing the rest of us down to the lowest common denominator. Because according to the World Economic Forum's website, by the year 2030, they predict that we will own nothing and we'll be happy. We'll love it. Everything that we use, we will rent. Well, doesn't that imply ownership by somebody? Yeah, well, and, I, and I've often said, sure. and I've often said, you know, in these areas, like I have relatives that live near Chicago that are paying twelve, thirteen thousand dollars a year in real estate taxes on a home that they might own outright. And, and I call that renting because if you've got to pay $1,000 a month or the guys with guns come and throw you out on the street of your own house, to me, you don't own it. You're just renting. And something's going to have to happen. I, I think you're, you're, you're right on here. I, I think that what'll happen is maybe similar to what happened with the European Union and some of these countries that were in trouble, uh, for example, like Greece and, and Spain, even to some extent, where they said, look, uh, we're basically going to take control here. Uh, we'll bail you out, but we're going to put in all these these rules and take control. And uh, whether it's a, a new one world currency, which we know uh, will happen from Bible prophecy, you know, even the getting into, you know, uh, the mark of the beast and all that, which I wanted to ask you about tonight. I thought it was chilling that I read uh, yesterday that Israel uh, that they've been having problems there with COVID like like everybody's been having. But uh, they they were uh, looking at some kind of a, a vaccination certificate or passport to be able to move around the country. Well, then I saw something yesterday that said that they're going to actually bracelet everyone so that they know where you're at uh, with a GPS system that will use AI to track every person living in Israel to know where you're at, to know if you're violating curfew uh, rules or not. Uh, This technology is already there for the mark of the beast and to absolutely control us, isn't it? 
It, it is. And, of course, this is a subject that's come up ever since we started hearing about uh, vaccines and uh, the push to convince all of us that we need to take one of these vaccines. I, I would just as, you know, first and foremost, read the book of Revelation. It, yes, it's difficult. It's symbolic. A lot of it is weird. You have to understand a lot of Old Testament stuff to really understand what was in John's head, because he knew what Daniel and Isaiah and Ezekiel and Zechariah and Amos and Joel, et cetera, et cetera, Daniel, he, he knew what they had written. And a lot of that imagery shows up in the book of Revelation. But there's a lot of bad stuff that happens before you get to the mark of the beast, which is in Revelation 13, like the wormwood, you know, falling into the, the earth and uh, the, the flaming mountain that falls to earth and, uh, you know, earthquakes that are just unbelievable where the kings and leaders of the earth are hiding in caves saying, you know, save us from the wrath of the lamb. And there, there's a lot of really traumatic stuff before we get there that we're not going to miss. So whatever we think of what's going on right now with uh, vaccine passports and so forth. This is not the mark of the beast. It's going to look like this when we get there, but this is not that just yet. But it but does show that uh, the, it, it does show that the controls uh, necessary are there. And um, I think that this whole idea of and by the way, those I, I get weird emails from people saying great reset conspiracy theory. I held the book up on my show uh, three or four weeks ago. Uh, there's a book, folks, go to Amazon. Uh, type in Great Reset. The whole thing, it's a published book. You can buy it and read the whole plan. This is no conspiracy theory. I'm not Alex Jones. You haven't, uh, you know, seen me wearing a tinfoil hat. I mean, this is real. You can buy the book. You can read the plan. It's it's online. It's a, it's a book on Amazon. This is a plan uh, because what what they want, the, the, these people at the, the UN and these these globalists, they want us all under one system. Uh, where it's one currency, one taxation system, and uh, a, a mass control, which would then uh, open up uh, the opportunity for for the Antichrist. I'm going to open up the phone lines right now. For those that are listening on the audio stream, I'm going to repeat the number a couple of times. If you're watching on our video stream, the phone number is in the lower right-hand corner of your screen. So there it is. Uh, you won't be screened tonight. You'll just go right on hold, and I'll uh, announce you by your area code. The number is 646-716-4041. Any question or comment you have about uh, Bible prophecy uh, as we're uh, relating it to the news tonight, 646 716 Four zero four one. Again, that's six four six seven one six four zero four one. Or your questions by email, Jim at ChristianMoney.com. Jim at ChristianMoney.com. And uh, Derek, one comment that came in already is about inflation. And you know, I'm not somebody. I know I'm a money guy, but I'm not one of these people that like gets the shopping circular and clips the coupons. I don't know. I just don't have time for it. But I have noticed the prices of groceries at my grocery store are just going through the roof. I mean, to where even somebody like me, that's not, you know, somebody that watches that super closely uh, in this uh, email is asking about inflation. And when you put all this money out there, all the stimulus money, all this $300 per child per month, all this extra unemployment that's more than what you made if you went to work, uh, this is uh, going to push the prices of everything up. Oh, absolutely. The, the older I get, the more I realize that uh, I learned the essentials of economics in my lowly bachelor's degree, and that was the law of supply and demand, which is very simple. I mean, when you've got two products or commodities side by side, and you change the supply of one relative to the other, the value of the one that's increased is worth less. That's why homes back in the 90s just exploded in price. They weren't worth anymore. It's just that you had uh, more people in the market because the Fed lowered interest rates, the FHA lowered qualification standards. Uh, I bought a house in uh, the St. Louis area in 93 for about 86 Five, and uh, we refinanced it for more than twice that by 2006. And it's not like we discovered oil in the backyard. It's just that the <laughs> supply of money, dollars, yeah. chasing the value, the available number of homes out there was uh, had increased. And so the value of each individual piece of paper was uh, much less. 
So it took more of them to buy a house. The same thing is happening with uh, college diplomas right now. But yeah, uh, the inflation rate has got to go up because the money supply has increased tremendously with the stimulus that went out last year and the, what they're proposing to put out there again this year with this uh, $1.9 trillion, which they're just creating out of thin air. Yeah, and, and there's so much going on, too, at the Fed that we really don't know about uh, because the Fed's books are largely secret. Uh, and there's a lot of questions that, you know, I think are honest questions to ask about how can the stock market be just continuing to go up and up and up and up? It, it just it defies reality. It defies the underlying economic numbers to see a Dow moving so strongly above 30,000. Uh, but uh, here's a question coming in by email. They want to know about the Antichrist. Uh, they want to know, is the Antichrist living today, in your opinion? And do we have any idea who the Antichrist is? Now, I know a lot of people ask this question, and I know you're not one of those guys that, you know, it's Prince Philip is the Antichrist. I know you don't, you're not going to say that tonight, but can we get a rough idea of of maybe where this person will come from and what their characteristics are. And uh, maybe some people, I mean, not naming names, but, you know, are we talking about uh, somebody, uh, you know, that, that maybe we've already seen? I, I've got people asking me, was Trump the Antichrist? And of course, not too many people hate Trump <laughs> for him to be the Antichrist is what I've always said to that. But uh, <laughs> but but what is this person going to be like, you know, is a worldwide leader that will be super popular, will be, uh, you know, people will usher him in and will want to not just follow him, but worship him. Uh, talk about the Antichrist. Well, I've got kind of a different view on this than the views that are most popular. There are a couple out there that, uh, in fact, a couple of friends of mine debated this uh, issue uh, a couple of years ago, uh, one taking the position that the Antichrist will come from the Roman Catholic Church, another taking the place that it, or making the case that it's going to be the uh, uh, the Mahdi, who is the, the Muslim uh, conception of the Messiah. Uh, I suggested in my book, Bad Moon Rising, which is on the uh, the role of Islam in the end times, that, um, and, and this is not really a new idea, actually. This goes all the way back to the second century and some of the earliest church theologians. I argue that this person will present himself to the world as a Jew. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying he will be a Jew. I'm saying he will present himself as one. Uh, because as I was trying to think through the uh, the scenarios, the most likely scenario that would account for, you know, what happens to the 1.6 billion Muslims in this end time scenario that we're playing out here? I mean, OK, could there be an Islamic Antichrist? Yeah, I suppose so. But I don't see any way that uh, that fulfills Daniel 11, where he comes into the, the glorious land and sets up his his tent or his palace or his his uh you know, offices there in, in Israel that, that you just would not get the Jews to welcome an Islamic Mahdi as their savior. But if you had somebody who rescued Israel from what they believed to be the war of Gog and Magog, and from a Jewish end times perspective, the war of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38 and 39, to them, that is the final war. And I think they're right, but maybe not in the way that they suspect. Uh, because I think that will be used as a deception, maybe a war with Israel's nearby neighbors to draw in Jews to welcome their political or military leader who leads them to victory as the Messiah. And there are some uh, rabbis who are actively looking for that figure. There are some who've been openly proclaiming for the last three or four years now that Messiah is alive. He is about to reveal himself, even advising Jews not to leave Israel wow, because they might not be able to get back to Israel once the Messiah reveals himself. This is happening today. Hmm. Uh, there are some very prominent Haredim, those are the ultra-Orthodox rabbis, who normally don't make uh, pro pro proclamations like this, telling their followers, don't leave Israel. If you're outside of Israel, come to Israel. Messiah is here. He's about to reveal himself. Could be any day now. So if Israel were to get engaged in a war with its Islamic neighbors, which is always a possibility, and a, a, a dynamic political or military leader rises up and leads them to victory, that could be what the Antichrist looks like, hmm. because he will be welcomed by very prominent Jewish rabbis 
as the Messiah, the Savior. They're looking for the same type of Messiah that the first century Jewish religious leaders were looking for, someone who would have led them in that day to victory over the forces, the occupying forces of Rome. And because Jesus of Nazareth didn't look anything like that, they rejected him. The thing is, when he comes back, he will be a conqueror, but, um, you know, by that point, it uh, it's not going to happen on the time scale or the way that they think, sadly. So I think that's what the Messiah is going to look like. Now, again, this is not a new concept. Uh, one of the early church fathers, uh, Irenaeus, who was the bishop of Lyon in France, um, he said that he thought it was going to come from the tribe of Dan. Uh, you notice when you read the list of the 12 tribes of Israel in the book of Revelation, the tribe of Dan is left out. And uh, that's because Dan, I think, was uh, was was kind of demonized by the other 11 tribes because they were the first to really fall away and, and to get into idolatry. Uh, they set up their own idol when they occupied their new territory at the foot of Mount Hermon, by the way, uh, with the grandson of Moses as their chief priest. Hmm. And uh, so for that, Dan was kind of uh, vilified by the other tribes as uh, the tribe that sort of led, led the northern tribes into uh, idolatry. But also, interestingly, Irenaeus also said this as he was trying to calculate the, uh, the meaning of the number, the gematria of 666, which was happening in the second century already. So by the year 150, you know, 60 years, 70 years after John wrote Revelation, they were trying to figure out what did he mean? And Irenaeus said, you know, the name that seems to make the most sense is Titan. As in the old gods of the Greeks were in Tartarus, banished in the netherworld. But then he said, you know, but if God had meant for us to know the name, he would have revealed it to John. So let's not get hung up on that. And that's one of your books you get into that issue uh, of the Titans. That's the Clash of the Titans. Uh, last Clash of the Titans. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. Very good. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, abortion, uh, the rise in this transgenderism, all of these issues, and how we're starting to see the church. A lot of churches are getting really quiet about any of these issues. They don't want to bring these things up. I, I posted on my social media uh, an incredible uh, a presentation by a Catholic priest this week where he absolutely went after Biden as a Catholic for his pro-abortion stance. This this uh, priest went so far as to tell his congregants, if you are here in my church and you are pro-abortion, I don't want you in my church. I was just blown away by the truth that this guy was speaking. Uh, but more and more, we're seeing this model of the church, which is a latte. You go in and you get your latte from the little coffee stand, and then you go watch what is similar to a TED talk, you know, how to be a better person in life and, and better father and husband and how to do you know better in, at work. But these co controversial issues are absent from a lot of churches. And those are the churches that tend to grow, become these mega churches. Do you think we're starting to see the apostasy, the, the end time ear ticklers? Are they already here? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, in fact, you know, growing up as a kid in Chicago in the 60s and 70s, the church that I grew up in on the north side was was kind of like that. Um, I, I think we've got we're seeing the result of generations of pastors being trained in seminaries who don't really believe the Bible is a supernatural book or it's only partly supernatural and all that stuff in the Old Testament. Yeah, those pagan gods, they weren't really real. Uh, Jesus is more of an example to follow, a cosmic life coach. Uh, Genesis, anything before, <laughs> say, Abraham. And we're not even we're not even sure anything before David is really historical. So we can just forget all of that stuff. Uh, Revelation, that's too weird. We're not going to get into that and teach that. Uh, and you've got very prominent megachurch pastors today saying that, uh, well, we don't need the Old Testament anymore. And, you know, I beg to differ. One of the things that's become clear, as Sharon and I have been researching over the last six years now, and uh, through our books, Giants, Gods, and Dragons, Veneration, Last Clash to the Titans, and so forth, is that these, the, the Hebrew prophets and the, the apostles, the early church fathers, they thought, they understood that all of these pagan gods were real, fallen angels, if you will, but because we English speakers tend to get hung up on the word G-O-D and assume it only has one meaning. Uh, that was not the case in the ancient world. 
But because we have pulled all of that out of the Bible, we have de-supernaturalized the Bible, this conflict that we're in becomes far less important. It's far less real. You know, it's a struggle against our own inner demons, to use a, a term, uh, and because, and that's just symbolic because we, we know that there aren't really demons. We quit believing in demons when we discovered psychology. So I, I think this is, is, is what's going on. And you make a really good point on a couple of the, the ways this is playing out, playing out in our society, where you get churches and pastors and priests who are afraid to speak out. Uh, you know, this Catholic priest this this past week is a is a great uh, uh, example, uh, and, but sadly, uh, of, of far too few who are willing to stand up and speak truth. This is what these old gods, small g gods, want from us humans is obedience and sacrifice. And we've been conditioned to believe that children are nothing but a burden. Uh, and that uh, now it's it's we, we've come up with this clinical way of disposing of them if they're not wanted. Uh, we've got uh, bioethicists who are even making a case now that we can uh, eliminate children up to the age of two because they're not really self-aware. So it's not really like killing a person. It's not really like ending a human life. They're not really human because they have to be self-aware in order to qualify for that stance. Well, all right, let's go back and look at the ancient Phoenicians and their Amorite ancestors and the practice of child sacrifice. I mean, some of the Egyptian temples have inscriptions on the walls depicting battles against the Canaanite neighbors who, in the heat of battle, desperately trying to defend their city against the Egyptians, were sacrificing children on the walls of their cities. Wow. This is like the story of King Misha Moab when he was he basically was driven back to his city by... Uh, the uh, Judean king Jehoshaphat and uh, King Joash, the son of Ahab, uh, their army surrounded Misha's city, and he sacrificed his child on the city wall. We've got documentation from the Egyptians that this really happened. Yeah, it's it's. And it's, why did they do it? Because their gods. It, it's it. shocking, and you know, one of the things that disturbed me, and uh, I know going into this last election, I I get it. I understand that there were a lot of things about Trump. That Christians didn't like. They didn't like that he's been married, you know, like three times and had all kinds of women in his life and that he's, you know, said mean things on Twitter and he's used, you know, profanity, uh, all this kind of stuff. And, and I get that. But at the same time, he struck me as a man who has changed who is not that same man. But when you look at your choice at the election of Trump, who kept his word of the pro-life judges and these conservative policies that we as Christians wanted and he promised he would deliver on and he did deliver on. When you see these Christian leaders, uh, Christianity Today, uh, Beth Moore, uh, John Piper, and on and on and on, uh, coming out, uh, basically, uh, suggesting Christians go, uh, you know, either not vote at all, which, you know, was not helpful, or, uh, to vote for Biden. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting to see. Uh, Christians being sucked in by this left wing movement. And I thought, Derek, after that, these incredible pro abortion policies were released a few weeks ago, including uh, billions of dollars to go overseas uh, for abortion funding, or was it uh, hundreds of millions? Uh, it probably doesn't matter. It, it's the money's going. But that these Christians didn't come out and say, okay, <laughs> we didn't sign up for this. We were told this was going to be more of a moderate Joe Biden and all of this stuff now with the abortion and then the girls uh, having to shower with boys, transgender and all this stuff. We're, we're not hearing from these people uh, that they regretted uh, taking that position. Um, are we seeing already like that split in the church where we're just being a, a conservative Christian does not mean anymore that you're voting for uh, pro-life and, and these conservative traditional values like marriage and, and so forth. I think we as Christians need to understand that we're never going to vote Jesus into the White House and that we need to separate that out. Vote for the, the candidate whose policies best align with our understanding of biblical morality. Yes, but we're not in, we're not electing a pastor in chief. 
or a theologian in chief. So if, if you're going to look at a Donald Trump and say you can't vote for him because dot, dot, dot. Well, all right. You can't really vote for Hillary Clinton either. Because <laughs> right. Dot, dot, dot. Or Joe Biden. Dot, dot. All right. If you want to withdraw from the political process, I suppose that's fine. But at least in Donald Trump, we had a candidate who was giving the church some breathing space to continue to preach and, and try to fulfill the one job that we were given. You know, Jesus Christ left us with one job, which was to make disciples of all nations. And at least under President Trump, he was getting the federal government off of the church's back and freeing us up to do this. Now, we might not like the way he was doing it, but I don't understand the logic of preferring somebody, a politician who speaks nice words and does awful things in terms of policy over somebody whose policies we agree with, but is kind of crude and rude. And we just don't like the way he conducts himself. Yeah, it's right. it, well, yeah, okay. it's a crazy world. We've got Jeremy from Chicago on the line. Jeremy, sell, say hello to uh, fellow Chicagoan like myself, uh, Derek Gilbert. Uh, nice to talk to you, Derek. Um, a question for you. Uh, a pastor friend of mine um, just talking about like end times revelation. Uh, he's convinced that America is going to play this great role in end times prophecy. He talks about um you know, that there's uh, something about the, the, the great eagle, which I don't seem to see that anywhere. But <laughs> um, uh, what's your take on, you know, the role of America in end times? You know, will America, you know, will it, is it even mentioned? Is it even in existence? Or is it a nation that, you know, will be um, destroyed, uh, civil war, something along those lines, the debt? Uh, that we won't even be a nation in end-time prophecy? That's a really good question. And to be honest with you, Jeremy, I don't have a firm answer on that because I can see arguments on multiple sides of that particular uh, that particular argument. Uh, I've got some friends who believe that America is actually Babylon or mystery Babylon yeah. of uh, the book of Revelation. Um I, I disagree with that. I think Islam plays that role. But uh, again, we don't know for sure. And, and this is something to bear in mind when we are looking at various interpretations of end times prophecy, not to try to weasel out of giving you an answer. But the apostles didn't really understand the prophecies of Jesus first coming, even after his resurrection. If you look in Acts chapter one, you see that they were still asking him at that point, 40 days after his resurrection, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel now? <laughs> right. They were they were they were still looking for a political geopolitical or military savior uh, because they didn't get it. They didn't understand it. It wasn't until Pentecost, Pentecost that they got it. And likewise, I don't think we're going to perfectly understand the prophecies of his second coming any better. And the reason for that is that God, uh, you'll notice in the Old Testament, he's often called Lord of hosts. The actual Hebrew there is Yahweh, which is his name, Yahweh of armies. He is a military commander, and the enemy that we face, these, well, to borrow the title of our book, Giants, Gods, and Dragons, these principalities and powers that the Apostle Paul wrote about, they are real, and God is not going to reveal his, his tactics specifically, or even his strategy, until they are facing him across the battlefield at Armageddon, and then for them, it'll be too late. So we aren't going to understand it perfectly. I've got theories on some of these things. Um, my personal feeling is that... Uh, we, the church, will be out of here before the the world comes to Armageddon, and that essentially the whole world will be aligned against Israel at that point. I think that's what Ezekiel was trying to convey with his uh, coalitions from the north, from the east being Persia, from the south being uh, Put, or or Kush, rather, which is uh, Ethiopia, Sudan, and Put, which is Libya, to the west. I think what Ezekiel was saying is they're coming from all four corners of the, the the earth, all four compass points, if you will. The whole world is coming to do battle at Armageddon. America, what's left of it, maybe part of that, is that because we are destroyed economically, militarily, or who knows, Yellowstone Caldera blows up? And Yeah, um, and any number, any number of things. Of Jeremy, thank you so much mm -hmm. for your call. Great question. And uh, we'll take one more uh, question here by email. Um, let's see here. I'm trying to get to their point here real quickly. Okay, they're asking about uh, whether or not, in your opinion, you know, there were a lot of Christians that predicted Trump was going to be reelected. And this was like 
a prophetic prediction. I'm not sure that anyone at Skywatch did that. Uh, some of them are now hedging, saying, well, maybe it's the second term is in 2024. So anyway, this email seems to be asking, does that uh, prediction not happening um, sort of disqualify those people uh, to be teaching on Bible prophecy? And you probably know the names I'm I'm thinking of, but there were uh, several sure. that, several that said that they knew and they heard from the Lord that Trump was going to be reelected uh, this past time around. Sure, and you know I, I will say publicly I consider Mark Taylor, who wrote the book The Trump Prophecies, uh, a friend. So uh, it is possible that uh, that what uh, what he heard was actually fulfilled. I mean, we certainly look at the evidence of what took place on November 6th, and it seems statistically almost impossible for the election to have played out the way that it did. Um, but uh, I think that uh, the, the, the bigger point here is what do we as Christians, how much of our sense of purpose tied up in who's sitting inside the White House. I mean, we know, Mark, we, we, and we're aware of, that there are other people who claim that uh, the Lord told them that uh, uh, Trump would be elected for a second term. Um, we didn't put too much stock in that or hope in that. Our hope is still in Jesus Christ because we know his promises are sure. It would have been great for Trump to have uh, received a second term, but uh, it's possible that this is and the thing we need to remember is that God has allowed this for his reasons, that he is the one who raises up kings and tears them down again. So for whatever his reasons are, which we don't understand at this point, uh, he has allowed the election to play out this way, whether it's legitimate or not. OK, that's a political discussion we can have another day. But I, I, I love this this saying that a young man who hosts a radio program for American Family Radio uses quite a bit, Abraham Hamilton III, uh, he says, and I agree with him, what happens in our houses is more important than who's in the White House. And that's the thing to remember. Now, I, I'm a little skeptical of anyone who claims, thus saith, who, who proclaims, thus saith the Lord, because the biblical standard, the Old Testament standard for a prophet is perfect accuracy. So, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, I, it's, I agree it's, with that. Yeah, it's, it's a tough thing, and uh, you know, uh, I've been as as so many people have been disappointed. We've been bringing different experts um, on the show, and what we're hearing from a lot of people is get involved in your own local community. What happens in your own town, your own city, the school board, the county council, the city commission, those are places where you can have a greater impact on what happens in your personal life than what happens uh, on the national level. Of course, you know, there still are those big national issues, which, you know, uh, you know, the, the transgender issue, which even a lot of liberals are upset about the idea of the loss of, mm -hmm. of girls only sports and, and, and the, the uh, uh, you know, advancing uh, the, the pro-abortion uh, agenda to levels that we've never seen before, uh, shutting down the XL pipeline and and reducing the ability for us to stay independent, uh, you know, with with our own oil and gas, which keeps the prices down uh, at the pumps. Uh, you know, so those are a lot of other factors, too. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think you're right. And I, I think, too, maybe the, the, the best point you made tonight was that, you know, this is a spiritual battle. And I think that uh, if we forget that my wife and I, we we have these conversations uh, every day where we talk about, like, for example, don't the people in California see the consequences of the policies, you know, that they literally we know people that live there. They can't walk down the street anymore because the streets are covered with human feces. Don't they see the policies mm -hmm. failing? And 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 we both come back to this point at the end, which is that it, it's a blindness. It's not a logic. It's not a matter of debating logic, because if we were in the world of logic, then you would see all of these blue state policies have failed everywhere where they've been attempted. Now they're going to be on a national uh, basis and we're all going to get to see them. But it's really not a matter of logic or who has the best argument on facts. It really is a spiritual uh, battle. And in a spiritual battle, those people that are in darkness can't see facts. It's they're blind to the facts. Isn't that right? 
Absolutely. And uh, that's really what I mean about, you know, what happens in our houses. We need need to train up our children in the way they should go. Help them to understand that these uh, entities that the prophets were railing about in the Hebrew Bible were real, that there are real entities out there. The Bible is like the Lord of the Rings on steroids. It truly (laughs) is. You want to get a kid excited about the Bible? Give him, give him the Old Testament. Say, here, read Job 41. Who, who, what do you think this Leviathan is? No, come out of us. Like, well, that's a dragon. Yeah. Dragons are in the Bible. Isn't that cool? And uh, giants. Yes. And, and this is who they we're wrestling against, you know, and we're part of this long war that's taking place. I mean, really, it, it, it truly is like the Lord of the Rings on steroids because it's real. And if we can, con- if we can convey that to our children and our grandchildren, so that they take this seriously. Well, then we've we've begun to turn the tide of this spiritual war. You're absolutely right, Jim. It is a spiritual war. The problem is that too many of our churches and too many of our pastors, because of their training, don't understand that the enemy in this spiritual war is real. I mean, how seriously do you take the enemy in the Bible when you're convinced that the characters described as these the evil enemy in the Bible are just yeah? And, and how many churches don't even mention the devil ever? Uh, they don't ever mention demons ever. They don't ever mention hell ever. Uh, you know, it, it, it is amazing how we have kind of taken the Bible and sort of uh, converted into like a Tony Robbins success course. And that is what we hear yes. in a lot of churches today, which is very unfortunate. Uh, Derek Gilbert, it's so good to have you back with us. And I want you to take a minute or two and tell people all of the different ways that they can connect with you. I know you've got the Skywatch TV presence, but your social media, your books, uh, give them uh, uh, all the ways they can connect with you because it's so important for them to stay up to date with what you guys are doing there at Skywatch. Well, thank you, Jim. Yes, yeah, Skywatch TV is uh, online at skywatchtv.com. We're also on uh, Roku, Apple TV, and a number of Christian networks around the country. I have stepped back from doing the weekly program, but I still produce a daily news analysis program called 5 in 10. Sharon and I together produce a weekly program called Unraveling Revelation, and uh, that's online at unravelingrevelation.tv. And we're in pre-production for a new program that we hope will be an antidote for, you know, ancient aliens and things like that called The Bible's Greatest Mysteries. Hmm. And uh, that will be forthcoming this year from Skywatch TV. But uh, and then at home on weekends, we produce a weekly Bible study where we go through the Bible verse by verse in chronological order, the order in which the stories occurred in the Bible. And that's at gilberthouse.org. And that's sort of our web hub. You can find pretty much everything we do at gilberthouse.org. And to get your books, I know there's they're on Amazon. But what I want to encourage people to do is get them from Skywatch because that helps you more financially. But there's also all these great packages where you can get multiple books together. Uh, How do people get to the Skywatch store? It's at skywatchtvstore.com. That's all one word, skywatchtvstore.com. And Tom Horn, God bless him, because he's the publisher, it's essentially like buying direct from the publisher when you do that. And so he can offer better deals than Amazon can offer. Uh, our joke, our running joke at the uh, uh, at, at Skywatch TV is that the next deal, at some point, Tom is going to run out of ways to you know package <laughs> and offer these great deals. He's going to start, giving away, you know, like mobile homes and stuff at RVs. Yeah, like like uh, like Mike Lindell, the the great pitch man. You know, use promo code Mike and get sixty six percent off the the uh, sleeping on your side body pillow or whatever. You know, he's pitching at any given time. Uh, Derek Gilbert, thanks so much uh, for being with us, sir. And uh, we encourage people to uh, check out Skywatch and all the things you're doing. And we hope you'll come back again soon and visit with us again. Anytime, Jim. God bless you. God bless you, sir. Wow. I, lo- I love that guy. He's a fellow Chicagoan. So you got to love that. Those of you that are from Chicago and uh, he, you know, he doesn't pull any punches. Uh, there are so many people today that are afraid to speak the truth. When is the last time your pastor mentioned hell? When is the last time your pastor mentioned Lucifer or demons or demonic possession, or talked about the abortion issue, or talked about what's happening with transgenderism and how that's affecting the culture, and on and on and on. Um, it's it's a scary thing, and I, I get it. I know that pastors have these big debts on their 
buildings that they've built and they've got a lot of, you know, uh, plans for growth and multiple locations and all these things they're doing and TV broadcasts. I get all that, but you can't sacrifice the gospel. And uh, it the this is what is a preview really of the end times. And these big giant churches uh, are are really, I think, uh, one of the most dangerous things going on today because these uh, generally, and not all of them, you got John MacArthur who's you know right down the line. I mean, he he'll uh, tell you how it is every Sunday, and he's still got a massive following. Which I believe the truth is, if you did preach the full gospel and you did really not back down on these issues, you would have a huge following. Uh, you know, notwithstanding that, I, I don't think that, uh, you have to dilute the gospel to have a, a big church and have a big following. But many believe that that is, uh, the solution. And that's how you get on the secular shows and how you get best selling books, uh, in the bookstores. And you preach every, every, you know, your, your lesson is every day is Friday and that's the gospel and that's not the gospel. Uh, but in any case, uh, great interview with Derek Gilbert. Uh, next week, Ellie Marzulli is here. A lot happening in the news. Follow me on Facebook. All of my social media links are at christianmoney.com. Thanks so much for joining us. And remember, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris Live. We'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody.